and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. So, hello folks, welcome to yet another episode of the Sales Chat Show, saleschatshow.com, driving your sales forward, the Sales Chat Show team, Mr. Graham Jones, Mr. Phil Jessen, and I'm Simon Hazeldean, back together in the studio again, and this episode is called, If You Get the Early Part of the Sales Process Wrong, Then You Are In Big trouble and uh, just before we start mr jesson's voice is a little on the croaky side folks poor old phil copped a covid infection and he's just coming out the other side so he's but he's, he's such a warrior he wants to be here with us and uh, so if he's going to sneeze he's going to wave a patriotic Union Jack tissue at us in honour, I think, of the recent jubilee that's taken place. So, Phil, is your voice okay? Are you are you okay to? Yes, testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Sounding positively husky and gorgeous. So, folks, the the context <laughs> for this for this kind of episode is. Let us assume that you've had a, a good first interaction, maybe with a potential client. You've, you've said enough um, or connected with them in a way that they've agreed to see you either in person for, let's say, an hour or obviously uh, in this day and age might be more likely to be taking place over Microsoft Teams or Zoom or something. And so the, the first meeting is you know, that first call is maybe, you know, we don't know too much about your organization, but based on what we do with other similar organizations, we might be able to help you in these areas. And they've said, oh, fantastic. Yeah, come come in and have a conversation. So this is a bit of kind of practical input, I think, in this episode about how to structure that meeting, the sort of information we should be gathering, the kind of questions we want to be asking. Um, because, this is a theme that comes up again and again and again on the sales chat show. It's one of our golden threads that runs through so many episodes is how important it is to understand customers' needs, understand customers' organizations. So we thought rather than just sort of banging the drum about that, we'd actually look at how to structure it and uh, maybe how to organize your, your, your questions and things. So you have a really fantastic, you know, first what we might call discovery meeting or needs finding meeting with with the customer. Now, Phil, you are the architect of a, a fantastically useful concept that we've referenced a number of times on the sales chat show because it's good, not just because just because Phil's here. Uh, if he wasn't here, I'd still talk about it, which is your strategic bridges framework, which I think is a good structure. We might be able to use this structure to think about what we might want to cover in this first meeting. So do you want to sure. just help our listeners orientate them to, to the, the concept of strategic bridges first? Uh, yes, very simple and very straightforward. It's basically looking at where the customer is now or the prospect as they might be at this stage, uh, where they are going in the future, and why that's important to them, 
and how they intend to get there. So diagrammatically, uh, where is the customer today on the left? Where are they going in the future on the right? And in the middle is how do they intend to get there? And really understanding that in a huge amount of detail. And uh, as we've said uh, many times before, if you are an expert in the customer's world, uh, you won't have to sell again because we just get rewarded with that level of excellence in really understanding them and their business. Um, so just to come back to your, your scene setting about the discovery meeting, uh, perhaps I could kick us off by just looking at some of the opening questions that we should ask in this 45 to 60 minute meeting. And one of the things that we shouldn't forget is that the prospect has agreed to see us, but we may not know why they have agreed to see us. And I think there are two ways of teasing that out. Uh, very early on in the conversation, we can either say something like, when we were chatting on the phone the other day and we arranged this appointment, what was it that prompted your interest in getting together? That would be one way of doing it. Another way of doing it would be to say early on in the call, well, these are the three things that I would like to get out of our meeting today. And then to say, and what did you have on your list? And hopefully, if the prospect wants to add to that, they will do. And it also gives us the chance to change the running order. For example, if we say, I'd like to talk about A, B and C, was there anything you'd like to cover today? If the customer says, well, yes, I'd like to talk about that very bad publicity that your company picked up last week, then we might choose to run with that before we get anywhere near our A, B and C, because it's clearly a bit of an issue Otherwise, they wouldn't have mentioned it. So really understanding what's behind the customer's motive to see us is important. Um, I think the criteria for the early questions should be something that is very easy for the prospect to answer and is safe. So keep anything relating to our competitors or pricing till later on, go early on with something that's very familiar to the person we're talking to, uh, namely, uh, what is it that they do and who are their customers in their various target markets? Um, often a very good way of asking that is to link it to the fact that we've actually done some research and we've had a look at the prospect's website. And we might say, well, when I was having a look at your website the other day, um, I noticed X and Y, which I was very interested in. But could you just tell me to kick us off today? What exactly does your customers or what exactly does your business do in its various product and market categories? So we flagged up the fact we've done a bit of research, which, of course, will go down well. Um, and it's a very easy and safe question for somebody to engage with as we build our understanding about their customers, their products, and so on. 
Yeah, I think that's uh, your 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 point there, Phil. Sorry, just to, just to yeah. jump in. I think your point there about making it easy to begin with. <clears throat> we're at quite early stages of getting to know this person, yeah. And I think, you know, we might be we might be in the shallow end of our questioning and go deeper later on when yeah. when they're more comfortable with us and and also they see a reason to share that information because yeah. the meeting's been progressing well. They're liking how it's been going, and they'll become yeah. gradually, I think, more. Yeah. amenable to sharing sometimes some some quite yes. confidential information right that you, exactly. you, you would you would need to understand yeah I, I think sometimes when I've when I've worked with salespeople and I've said to them when would you ask the question to find out about the decision making process uh, what they want to do what the salesperson wants to do because it is a little bit sensitive is the salesperson wants to ask that late in the day. Um, I don't think that's right. I think that decision-making question needs to be within the first three or four questions. And I have a very painful memory years ago of an hour and a half call with a prospect. And I get to the end of it and the prospect says, well, that's been an absolutely fascinating meeting. Um, I must tell Jerry about it. Uh, and I said, Jerry, who, who's Jerry? And the prospect said, well, my, my partner. And I said, oh, right, okay. Uh, well, perhaps I could see Jerry then when I come back to explain our solution in a bit more detail. And uh, he tapped on the glass partition and said, there's Jerry. And Jerry waved at me through the glass partition. <laughs> and that's the, la that's the last, that's the first and last time I ever saw Jerry. Now, had, had, I, had I actually bothered to say, apart from yourself, Tim, uh, who else would be involved in the decision to use us? Uh, he would have said, well, my partner, Jerry. And I at least would have had the option of saying, well, is there any chance Jerry can join us now? Uh, Tim can join us now. Uh, or at, le at least I then have the opportunity of saying, well, clearly then if half of the decision-making process uh, is not here today, perhaps I could just stick with really understanding your business and what you do and how you do it. Uh, and I'll come back on another day and I'll happily talk to both of you. Of course, at least then I know, because I'm not talking to the whole decision-making process, that I'm only going halfway through the sales process, so to speak. So that would be my sort of opening comment on those first two Graham, three questions. I think this is moments like this where you do wonder why we have Phil on the yeah. sales chat show when you hear about those, those terrible mistakes. <laughs> yeah, I think the mistake was... Not to ask whether Jerry uh, could visit the room, you know, to to uh, join in the conversation. But the fact that you called his partner, Tim, all the way through, that's why you lost the business, because obviously his name was Tom. Because it would be Tom and Jerry were the partners. But, you know, so that's why you didn't. That, but actually, that does is a point, isn't it? I have sat in meetings where somebody, you know, from the client, um, it has been called the wrong name by the yeah. salesperson. Yeah. And you're not going to get the business. And yeah. people, sometimes they're going to be polite and go, actually, my name is Tim, not Tom, or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But sometimes they're too embarrassed to, to say anything. 
And then you don't get the business because they go, well, if he couldn't get my name right, what else is he going to get wrong? But there yeah. is a, Phil, you know, you, you talked about um, and something I think is 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 just worthy of, of thinking about for those first meetings. Like you, you mentioned, I've looked at your website. I, I would say that what probably used to be a really good early stage question was, Mr. or Mrs. Customer, you know, please, please tell me about your company. Please tell me about your organization. That's, that's probably the worst question you should be asking yeah. now because you should at least have done your research in advance and say, yeah. as Phil very ably demonstrated, um, you know, let us, I've looked at this and I'd like to understand that in some more, in mm. some more detail. Yeah. Um, well, I noticed that Phil's opening question that he suggested was very polite um, but my opening question is usually nowhere near as polite. It's usually just simply, why am I here? No. Um, which is effectively asking the same thing, but I, I'm asking it, you know, perhaps I'm more direct about it, but, you know, giving them the opportunity to say, well, you know, when we last spoke, it was obvious yep. that you could do something for us. And then they could explain in more detail. So, um, but I don't go and pitch anything. I don't, do anything i just ask why am i here you know yeah. why have you agreed to this meeting why do you yeah. want me here um what what is it that you think i can do you know all yeah. of those questions are wrapped up in that yeah why am i here question i mean yeah. i i do normally do a little framing thing which is around you know based on our first conversation my understanding of the purpose of today's meeting is for you to make a decision on whether you want to carry on talking to us if you know and i and in order to facilitate that i you know i'm hoping to ask you a number of questions and then if and i do mean if i think i can help you then maybe we we could talk about what the next stage is i'm certainly not planning on making any sort of presentation for example today just to manage expectations because they probably had a number of suppliers come in and they will start making an early presentation or yeah. that is their expectation. Well, I was hoping to hear about your organization, you know, what you can do. I'm not saying you wouldn't necessarily do that if 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 it was a good opportunity to do so, right? If if you thought you had enough information. But I will often also if I'm said, well, you know, tell me about what you do, other than maybe a, a short, short kind of introduction, I would say, look, I could talk about what we do and our products and services for hours. I just don't know which aspects of that's going to be of most interest to you. So really don't want to waste your time. So I'd like to ask some questions, you know, and ask permission to, to probe, to probe and ask questions. And in terms of questioning structure, what I love about Phil's, Phil's strategic bridges, you know, you've, you've got some questioning areas, you know, where are you now? Understand what's going on. What are the problems? What are the challenges? Where would you like to be? you know, and the numbers and the metrics. And then the strategies on Phil's diagram, you know, take you from where you are to where you want to be, are designed to either grab an opportunity in the marketplace or overcome some sort of organizational weakness or something or, you know, grow the organization. And then kind of what's getting in the way of those strategies being able to be or what are the challenges you see in bringing those strategies to life in the organization. And, you know, and that's maybe then you can say, well, we might be able to help you to do that. And just on that, just on that, point simon it, 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 you're you're absolutely right where can we help you but because we've now got a very detailed understanding of what's important to them yeah. and how they intend to get there uh, we might know people within our network that we're going to recommend that they also have a look at uh, maybe somebody that provides printing or somebody that provides it uh, or whatever so they're going to thank us because we are now clearly working in the partnership mode. 
yeah. adding adding value. We're not sitting there as a supplier waiting to flog something. I mean, there are another way to another way to to maybe to to think about putting this the a structure to your questions or, or maybe not a structure to the questions as much as here's the information you probably need to have before you can exit the meeting and one one there you're talking about phil from a partnership point of view is really understanding their needs but also from a qualification of the opportunity point of view i think this is a really important discipline early stage meeting we want to see is it worth our time and the customer's time to actually go to a third meeting or not? And should we then walk away? Because, you know, uh, and there are a number of qualification frameworks around then structures, you know, medic and Scotsman and things and things like that. But a very, very simple and classic one, which I, IBM invented, I think back in the 60s or 70s, was BANT, B-A-N-T, Budget, Authority, Needs, Timing. And, and budget, okay, we might we might not sequence it just because it's first in the acronym. We might come to budget a little bit later, but your authority, Phil, you want to know who Jerry is, right? Who's, yeah, who is involved in the decision process? The strategic bridges helps you understand the needs of the customer, which is the N, the timing. How soon do they need to do it? Because yeah. if, there's, if there's no urgency, there often isn't a sale. And then budget, you know, find out. So if you come out knowing who, what the need is and the problem the customer has, how soon they need to take action, who's involved in making the decision, and what kind of money are we talking, you're in a pretty good position for a first. Yeah. For, and there are more sophisticated versions of that, that that people could look at. But they're not bad bad for things to know no, absolutely. whether you should carry on talking to each other or not. Yeah. You know, I know. But I think once you've made that decision that you should carry on talking, it's really important to let them know that you want them as a customer because mm. most um, reasons why people don't buy is because they didn't think the salesperson wanted them as a customer. So actually, there, you know, there are several studies which show that people give up on buying from a company because they felt that company or the person representing that company the salesperson didn't want them um, and so you have to really tell them quite clearly that you want them as a customer so no matter what time it is during that meeting mm. you need to make it clear that you want to work with them that you were really keen to get them on board as a customer and therefore you need to move to you know other meetings and yeah where you can put forward solutions to whatever it is but you need yeah. you need to let them know as soon as you've made that decision, not go away and think about it, but yeah. let them know straight away because yeah. they, they want to know that you want them. I think a couple more uh, questions I would offer, if I may, is that sometimes it's very easy, I think, for salespeople to go into a discovery meeting and they get lured out very, very quickly on price-related issues. Um a trained buyer inevitably will throw that one in very, very early. Let's get straight to the point. How much is whatever? Um, and I think a very good question to ask early on, maybe in that first half a dozen um, questions, uh, is something like, uh, well, apart from price, what else is important to you? Mm. And when the prospect then says, well, yes, but price is, of course, important, but service is important, this is important, innovation is important, after sales, whatever. Uh, at least now we've got three or four things in the pecking order that we now know sit above that price issue. If price is indeed the only 
single issue and absolutely nothing else comes out of that question, then at least you know. Um, yeah, and I think you might, another, you might well, want to take a decision then that that might be is not a client, for example, that you're going to be that yeah. you're going to want to take on because you know it's just going to be a race to the bottom, right? Um, yeah, a race um, to the bottom indeed. Um, and I think another thing we shouldn't ignore is the fact that the uh, the prospect has probably been working with one of our competitors for some time, let's say. Um, and of course, there are. Uh, I, I think a lot of salespeople are very nervous about talking about that and they come out with a rather clumsy, um, are, are you happy with the service you're getting at the moment to which the prospect uh, says yes, and that's the end of it. I think there are much better ways of asking that. The more open-ended, how do you feel about the service you're getting at the moment is better, of course. One of my favourites is... If you had to score your current supplier marks out of 10, how much would you give them? And if the prospect says, yeah, I, I think they're doing a good job, I'd score them eight. Then at least now we can ask, well, what would we need to do then yeah. to score the 10? So we shouldn't forget that eight of the 10 marks are being fulfilled quite quite well by the current incumbent. What we've got to do is to identify that little uh, chink in the armour, so to speak, that we can uh, then work with. And uh, that that would be the type of question I would recommend. Inspired by your um, by your question about, um, you know, what what's going to be important. And and I use I use something fairly similar quite often, which I think is a great question is, you know, when you're thinking of bringing in a new supplier or you're thinking of buying X or you're thinking of making this sort of purchase or whatever it is, what is most important to you is a very powerful question because you start to elicit some of the criteria they're going to be used to use to make to make the decision. And then you find out what it is. And, and a yes, and price will typically be one one factor right typically typically a factor very very rarely the only factor despite what what a customer might say but you know you've got to realize we've 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 got to build the relationship and get them feeling comfortable in the meeting with us so that they can share share the information and then the other thing i would say to to strongly to recommend is digging deeper a lot of salespeople do what i call you know paddle in the shallow end where they ask quite shallow questions and they don't dig deeper well this is really important to us okay why is could you tell me why that's so important to you what is it that's so and those probing questions to dig deeper get in the deep end go deeper into understanding you know what what are the problems or pain yeah what's the impact of those problems on the organization if you don't sort those problems out what what might that mean and what are you hoping to achieve and if you achieve that what will that enable you to do as an organization and dig yeah dig, try to dig down into some of the metrics i think of, of a, can a very we, can good we measure or quantify it a very good model i came across years ago for doing that is um three F words, facts, feelings, and future. Um, and if you, if you were to ask a question like, for example, um, how do you feel about the service you're getting at the moment? And the answer comes back, uh, well, I'm none too happy with them. We haven't yet got the facts. So push again. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you mean? Well, yes. Um, they are failing on 25% of the orders every month. 
now we know that that's the fact. The second F word is the feeling. It's a simple, and how do you feel about that? And if the prospect says, well, I'm really unhappy about it, you then say, and, and how do you see the future then? And the prospect may well turn around and say, well, they're on a final warning. And in four weeks' time, I shall be making a decision on whether we're going to keep them or not. And now you've taken through that facts, feelings and future model, you've got a lot more information to go at in a way, and it's all been extracted in a way that sits very comfortably with the prospect. We are not going to be accused of being uh, too intrusive or inappropriate. It's sort of, it's going with the customer vibe at that time. And obviously the role of emotion and feelings, as Mr. Jones will be no doubt able to tell us, an important part of decision-making, are they not, Mr. Jones? Uh, they are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what we do know is that we have various decision-making methods that we uh, have. Um, so I could talk to you about conjunctive and subjective decision-making rules, but we won't bother with that. It's easy um, for you to say. <laughs> Uh, but at the heart of them is an emotional decision. So actually, you know, in this discovery meeting, one of the most important things that's happening is you are discovering whether you like the potential client and they're discovering whether or not they like you as an individual. Um, Because if they like you as an individual, they will assume that they will probably like all the other people they're going to work with at that business because otherwise you wouldn't fit with that business because you'd be, you know, an an outlier kind of thing. And so that they are looking to see that you are the kind of person they can get on with. So there is an emotional um, reaction to it. Um, So don't forget things that trigger positive emotions. So things like eye contact, like uh, using their name frequently, like uh, leaning towards them, you know, body language, all of those kind of things to suggest to them that emotionally you like them um, because then they're going to like you. I think it's important part of this is very early stage and we know all the old cliches never get a second chance to make a first impression, all that sort of, all that sort of, sort of, sort of good stuff. Right. However, how you are in the early stages of the sales process, as Graham, I think, is, is, is suggesting it, gives them a big indication of what it's going to be like to deal with yeah. you and the rest of your organization. So if we, if we mess up our first face-to-face or proper you know, Microsoft Teams meeting because we're poorly planned, we're poorly prepared, we're not connecting with them emotionally and those sort of things, we're missing a, missing a fantastic opportunity right and it could be game over it absolutely could be and i think i think that point show show them that we would like to have them as a client which is which is i think is also you know another another super um super important thing that you that you that you've kind of mentioned so fantastic so uh, anything else uh, mr jesson or mr jones yes one 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 final comment for me um i can't remember who said it but until i remember i will claim it was me um but sad, sadly it wasn't but somebody it was mark was, twain it was mark, mark if in doubt to mark twain einstein normally isn't I, it? einstein's einstein or mark twain you'll be fine with either yeah, of those okay you're, you're absolutely right uh but i i can remember somebody um uh, talking some some years ago about uh rapport and how to develop it etc cetera, etc cetera. 
Uh, and he made the comment that it, 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 it's really down to two things. Um, we like people who like us or people who are mm. like us. And hopefully, if you think about this discovery call, we have ticked both of those boxes. Uh, you can, of course, get away with one. Uh, there are situations where there might not be any rapport at a personal level, but you might still be able to create rapport because we are like them. We share the same values or we have the same interests and hobbies or maybe we have the same philosophy on how customers should be treated or whatever. Uh, but to be honest, um, there's no real personal like or rapport, but you can get away with one. But ideally, you are trying to tick both of those boxes, however you do it. Yeah. And then hopefully you've gathered enough information through this meeting to, to make a really good next stage proposal or, or yeah. way forward for the customer. And you've, you've, you've won that emotional connection as well, which puts you in a really strong position. You know, you've, you've a good, strong start in a sales process keeps you out of trouble later in, yeah. the, in the sales process. I was once interviewed by a journalist from the Wall Street Journal, and the article was about what to do when the sale goes down the pan, as they say in America, or, you know, down the toilet. And um, I think I think they were kind of expecting some magic sales trick to save, to save the day. And my comment very early on, which I think disappointed them, was, well, if it's going down the pan, you've done something wrong in the early stage, so don't do that would be a way of stopping it, you know, because if you really messed up, there's only so much you can only so much you can do. And, and on the subject of messing up, very disappointing example of worst practice from Mr. Jesson there of not working out who was involved in the decision-making process. So go go to the bottom of the class, Phil, uh, of the sales chat show class. I'll join you there because I also went into... <laughs> a major retailer clutching my samples of a brand new product that my company had launched. It was in the drinks industry. And I was about 15 minutes into my presentation and the buyer who was my usual contact went, I'm going to have to stop you now, Simon. Um, this new product of yours is in a different category to the one I buy in. So you're going to have to see Bill and make an appointment with him. So, and I remember going a very, very embarrassed colour and thinking, I've just driven yeah. for three hours to make Same. a presentation to the wrong person. How long have I been in sales? I think, you know, my goodness. So, so, the, the, so, so Graham is currently top of the sales chat. The, the supermarket toy buyer wasn't interested in what you were offering. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. It was just, just not, just not the right thing to do. So, <laughs> you know, learn, learn from those rookie, rookie errors and do make Marvelous. sure you're talking to the, to the people who can make the decision. So thank you very much, gentlemen. And, and thank you for listening to this episode to our listeners. There are 250 plus episodes in the sales chat show back catalog available from wherever you prefer to get your podcast from. And if you please subscribe to the sales chat show, you'll be notified every time we release a new episode, which happens on a regular basis. In the meantime, uh, we would like to wish you good luck and good selling folks. You 
have been listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And from everyone here at the Sales Chat Show, we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling. (laughs) 